This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin. And I am joined today by John McKenzie. John is the principal, but not for very much longer, of Northeast Valley Normal School in Northeast Valley. It's got an appropriate name for it then. And kia ora, John. Kia ora, Sam. Thank you for John, the invitation. It's a pleasure. John, we've been asking people how their bubble life was, knowing that that's now turned into history, but how was your bubble life? Yes, I really loved it. I I really enjoyed sleeping in, not having the alarm clanging at 6.29 so that I could catch the 6.30 news, Um, getting up and taking my time, having breakfast, having a cup of tea, looking out the window, taking time over food and baking bread and watching series of TV programs that I was meant to watch for years. It was a real, um, it was a once in a lifetime opportunity for someone in their working life to have a break, an unplanned for break. It was a break from the close connection to people, but I presume you're still working. Yes. um, um, I hopped in as the principal to every Zoom lesson that was being held. And that in itself was a joy because the children were very pleased to see their teachers and um, most were pleased to see me, probably that I was at a distance. Um, and seeing the children in their, in their home setting was a privilege. Um, you know, the children were introducing their cats and their dogs and their siblings and some were still in their gym jams and um, parents you could see parents poking their nose around the corner to see that the children were focused on their work and it was a really good reminder that um, children don't necessarily have to sit in a, in a traditional classroom um, to learn effectively Um, Yeah, I was really impressed. I was very impressed with the teachers who um, went to great lengths to to not only deliver some learning, but to check up on the children and and check up on the parents a little bit, probably in a in a pastoral way. And after after lockdown, was it back to business as usual, or, or did it take a while? Well, of course, if we. We had long periods of time where we had to maintain physical distancing and 
um, keep people away from each other if they had any signs of the COVID. It was quite an awkward time, I think, for parents because, you know, we, modern schools are very open environments and parents wander in and out. Now, they weren't able to do that during the um, sort of post-lockdown times. Um, also, the, the, the uncertainty uh, about what might happen the following week, you know, it was quite difficult. It, it was a, an interesting time to, to be a leader because not everybody subscribed to the, you know, um, the health guidelines. But on the whole, people accepted that this that this was best. You know, what we were doing was best, and they supported the school. Um, yeah, yeah, it was. I think it's been a very tiring three years for everybody. Um, I'm I'm disappointed a little bit that we haven't made more of the lockdown experience it was a time for us to reflect um it was sort of like an elongated new year's resolution <laughs> time you know um but it's we've we've we're back to a form of normality so quickly um i just hope that that we have learned some lessons you know I mean, I, we are privileged. We've, we've got two incomes and coming into our house. Um, we've got a manageable mortgage. Um, we have well-behaved children um, and a reasonably secure relationship, you know, as husband and wife. There would have been some families where some of those components weren't present, and I think it, it could have been very difficult for some. Um so what I enjoyed may well have been less enjoyed by mm. people not as privileged. I think it was was Iona Helstad, the Secretary of Education, who said right at the start of the pandemic when a reporter was asking her about distributing div- digital devices to schools, she said a, a pandemic doesn't create inequities, it just reveals them. Did you have to pay attention to that? Uh, yes, yes. Um we, the school that I'm the principal of is not huge. So we have, you know, maybe 250 children and everybody knows everybody pretty well. And we live in a quite a defined community, uh, which has got, you know, two ends and a roof, really. <laughs> um, and so I think we knew who needed the help and teachers I reached out to those to people in different ways, you know. Um, teachers were dropping things off in letterboxes and, um, as I said earlier, checking up on people um, over the Zoom and phone calls. And we had, we distributed some technology, um, but some parents didn't want that. They wanted to just do their own thing. Um, I think a lot of families found themselves a little bit, you know. A lot of families came out of it appreciating the job of a teacher, <laughs> which is, a, you know, you can have them back now sort of attitude. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was a weird time. It was, I felt quite secure in that time. You mm-hmm. know, you felt like the, 
not just the stresses of work and, and daily life. You know, there was no karate across town or curling on a Wednesday night, and, or you know, all of all of the things that a family does. But there was a, there was also no need to leave the property, mm-hmm. and so it was really a bubble. You know, it was a, a very unexpected retreat from the rest of the world, and sometimes the rest of the world can be a pain in the backside. So. It was nice not having that <laughs> for a while anyway. Do you think it's enhanced that sense of retreat or that that's the importance of that sense of place for the place we call home? Yes, I think it has. Um, I think it, it's been it's had quite a dramatic effect on some people who haven't wanted to come out of that retreat um, or that that safe place. Um, and I think, you know, if if someone is sort of um, hiding away from the rest of the world, they may well have good reason to do that. And as educators, we don't really look for for clever ways to engage with those those families. And the, the technology is there for us to do that. You know, we proved that over the lockdowns. But we haven't brought it to everyday life. You know, we're still mm-hmm. ringing up parents wanting to know, you know, when are they going to come back to school? I mean, not that it's a big issue in our school, but, you know, um, there are a few who just don't want to engage in, with the rest of the world. Their children need to have some contact with the rest of the world. We don't want them to be homeschooling and having no social interaction or or learning from other people who might be a bit different to their parents. So. You know, I think we could use the technologies a lot more cleverly. Um, I've got quite definite views about how schools should run, and this was an opportunity for us to play around with some of those. But I, but I don't see it. I don't see the the shift that could have occurred. We'll come back to that after we've played the first of your music choices. Let's have six pound. This must be love or angel. Why this one? Yes. It's- um, I was tempted to be to show off my knowledge of um, particularly Aotearoa music and some of the heavy stuff that's in there, but I we don't often admit to having sort of romantic tastes. Um, but I this song really struck me because it's a beautiful song. Well, three things about it. It's a beautiful song. It's written and sung by this Tongan guy who lives in Sydney who who sings a lot of sort of, I'd call it Pacifica rap, and it's quite earthy, a lot of it. You know, he's not scared of using the odd expletive. He's very, um, he comments a lot about the life of young Polynesian people in Australia. But this song is a sweet song. So the third reason that I like it is that I think guys like songs they can sing to in the car. And this is a belter when you know it. You can sing it and drive your children crazy. But also it's it's a love song, you know. So, yeah, I think it's real. This guy is, you hardly hear him. I doubt if he could buy his album these days, but I'd recommend people have a listen to him. Victim of love I've been once before Experience 
enough not to want it more Careful I become so as not to fall And never let myself be so vulnerable Not within a million years did I ever think To compromise and not Heaven up above, just send to me 
John, it's Monday, it's 13 days till Christmas, and Monday, Tuesday, it's three days until the end of school. Are you counting the days? We finish on Wednesday. It's a busy time because you do, you know, you're um, completing end of year reports for the for the children and board reports and prize givings and farewells and all that sort of stuff. But it's a lovely time because the you know the, the Christmas spirit starts to um, flavour everything. Yeah, I love it. I love Christmas. And this is is this your last year teaching? Yes. Yes. I'm, uh, you know, as I said, uh, the last two or three years have been quite tough and um, you've got to be at the top of your game in this, well, in any job, I suppose, but in this one in particular. And um, I I suspect that I've lost a little bit of my mojo and, um, yeah, time time to stand aside and let someone with more energy take over. Mm. Well, we've got a grandchild starting at... Northeast Valley in April, and oh, the, yeah. the reports from from Shannon Vaughan are that it's a wonderful place. So you've done well. Oh, good! I'm pleased to hear that. That's great. It's yeah. a it's a school that's known not just for its the the teaching in the classroom, but its close connection to the community. Yes, yes, it has been. It's had got a, quite a history of that. There was a chap in the eighties. Bob Harley, who was an old school principal, but he would put put on movies on Friday nights for the kids, and you know, um, uh, so I think there's a long history. I mean, it was formed by the community in 1851, so you know that's part of its culture, really. But we're lucky we've got the community centre on site that the that the school own. And uh, the North East Valley project work out of there, and we've got a massive community garden. It's fabulous. So um, there are people through the place all the time. Do you do the do the kids appreciate that? The, the appreciate that connection to the to the community. I, I suppose it does make it feel a safer place or a more connected place. Uh, yes, I think so. Um, we have a bike track that runs around the, one of the fields and then down past some buildings, and you can do a big loop. And the children will come there, and you know, preschoolers on their on their with their scooters or their wee mini bikes, and get used to the place, you know, um, which I think is a real bonus because when they start school, they already know where things are and they feel an ownership, a sense of ownership with the school it's a it's a, got a lot of grounds too you know and kids need places to run around squash them up too much to get get into scrapes and can't get away from people they don't like <laughs> what led you to be a teacher oh, i fell into it really um i wanted to be a vet when i was in the sixth form but in those days, to get into vet school, it's probably the same now. You had to have a A bursaries and some other ridiculous, probably parents who could afford to put you through vet school. I'm pleased I didn't now when I hear what vets have to, you know, the, the lives they lead. But teaching is a really good career, you know. Um, it's it, it has great holidays. 
people always say, ah, oh, teachers in the holidays. And I say, yay, teachers in the holidays. <laughs> it's a bonus. And then you say, oh, no, we're not supposed to say that. We're supposed to talk about all the marking we have to do. <laughs> but it's great, you know. I mean, um, you need a holiday. I mean, everybody needs a holiday. But I think children need a holiday from learning and teachers need a holiday to recover from learning. I used to find when I was teaching, I don't teach at the moment, but when I was teaching, the first week of the holidays would be completely de-stressing. You wouldn't notice it, but after a week you'd start to feel healthy um, and then you might have a holiday. Uh, it's also, you know, over the years, the the, can, the remuneration has improved. Um, I mean, it, it used to be quite poorly paid, I think, but um, now it's not too bad. Um, parents, on the whole, are pretty supportive of teachers. Um, and your mind is always on the go. You know, you're always challenged by different thinking and, yeah, no, it's good. There's a real camaraderie amongst the profession. I've been lucky to have been involved in regional and national um, education activities, um, particularly in recent years with the with initial teacher education, because we're a we are a normal school. Normal school principals speak for the profession um, regarding initial teacher education. And initial teacher education has had its ups and downs in recent years since the closure of the colleges of education and the, the uh, responsibility for teacher education transferred to universities. Um, that's had a major impact on, on teacher education, for sure. So I've been involved in stuff with that. I've been involved in the, the um, NZDI, the, new, the Teachers' Union, um, on the New Zealand Principals Council, and that's exciting work. You know, you, you, you become involved in discussions at a higher level, and so you can have a more strategic view of your work. So it's been a good, been a good profession. Well, one of the things I've loved about it is that all of my children have attended schools that I have worked in, and so I've seen them in their education setting. And that's a real privilege. I haven't missed assemblies or sports games or, you know, seeing them getting a growling from one of the teachers and thinking, yes, you deserve that. <laughs> <laughs> the theme of our show started out as positive but not deluded conversation. And about a year ago, we were convinced to turn it around a bit and to have positive with a dash of deluded and we've been exploring that the the nature of the the positive mindset a, a teacher must have to have a positive mindset but also not just be positive but have that critical attention ability to spot when when somebody needs some extra help and have that imagination to be able to spark off new ideas or, or new directions are people born with that or is it trained? Where does that come from? That's a really good question. Um, there's a lot of discussion in teacher education about whether a teacher is born to the profession or whether you can teach it. There's some really good research out of the States which, which says 
that you can teach someone to be a, a really good teacher, you know. And I think you need three three things to be a good teacher. You need to have a brain, you need to have a good heart, and you need to be able to work hard. And, you know, that's across, you know, the early childhood through to tertiary, I think. Um, one of the problems that we've had in New Zealand is that we diluted teacher education and, and lost focus on some of those key elements that have been hugely part of New Zealand education, and that, that's the arts in particular. But the sort of creativity and being part of nature, those are things that, that um, you know, I would really love to see more of. But... If a person is not positive when they go into a classroom, they'll be a disaster. And, you know, there are some people who, are, who aren't made for teaching or haven't been taught well to teach, and sometimes they are a disaster. The aim is to try and find that out as early as possible, you know, and steer them into other, into other directions. Yeah, you've got to be positive. Tell you what's hard is that the the thing that dents positivity is under resourcing. Um, when I went to school, children who um, were classes, you know, need, special needs children, often went to separate schools, and and mainstream schools weren't inclusive at all, and that changed in the last couple of decades. And so all children should be able to attend their local school regardless of their abilities or um, any conditions that they have. But schools don't get resourced properly for them. The most difficult times or the most negative times I've had are when I've had to fight for resources for children who have serious needs and you've got to prove that they should get the resource. That knocks positivity. Um, but the other thing is, if people are judgmental of families, um, they're, they're not very useful in schools. You know, if, they, if they're critical of parenting, and you have to always imagine what this family are going through, if they've got it, you know, if there's a, um, an addiction in the house, low income, um, struggling relationships, those kids are going to, that's going to come out at school with those kids. So really keeping a positive attitude about the children and their families is, is vital to the child developing. Well, one of the things that I came late to is the understanding that our job is not just within the school gates, that we've got to use our influence beyond that. Um, and that's exciting stuff because you can see with a bit of effort that you can help change the context or improve the context of the child's life. Yeah. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokanui, Dinan's favourite goddess. I hope you're all having the best day, beautiful superstars and your beloved universes. And I really hope wherever you are and whatever's happening around you, this journey that we're all on together is proving to be very rewarding, very sustaining, 
and illuminating for you more and more each day who you are, a triumph of nature's art, perfect, unique, and here making things better. Thank you. Now I know that for us all, the last nearly three years have been so tough and it's really important that at this time and going forward, for all eternity, we give ourselves and each other the love and support and compassion that we all need and innately deserve and can innately provide. Of course for me, being part of the show has been a huge help. It's really buoyed me aloft and it's really encouraged me and it's really helped me to maintain a sense of focus and positivity and hope throughout this time. So a huge thank you to Sam and the whole Blown Bubbles team for having me. Of course other things that have helped me as I'm sure have helped you have been the opportunities to feed my passions my love for working with the young people, the rakatahi in our communities, the tamariki, the beautiful, beautiful new life coming into this world that is so precious and it's so important that we nurture and care for and give the best experiences to so that we can ensure a beautiful future for everybody. It's such a pleasure, of course, to be able to be out in nature and my work at my heart's home workplace, Orokanui Eco Sanctuary, frolicking about in nature with young people is really my dream job and I'm very fortunate. And today I'll be showing around the amazing Corstaphine Baptist Community Trust who work with people of all different ages and stages, dealing with mental health, dealing with disability and giving them the support and the sanctuary that they need they have several residential facilities where they care for people and allow them to regain confidence and autonomy. And I have great respect and admiration for the work that they do. And of course, many of our local schools are also sanctuaries. Every, every place, any place can be a sanctuary if we choose to make it so. And of course, interviewing the amazing John McKenzie, all about North East Valley Normal School, have been so lucky to work with over the last 17 years. It's been a real privilege and John is such an amazing leader and has really created an incredible environment for all the Akonga there, all the learners, and providing an environment where Te Reo Māori and Te Ao Māori Mataranga Māori are really celebrated and supported. It's been beautiful to work with with them. And the appreciation for the living world is so strong with that school that they've been able to transform their school grounds. They've been able to really create an environment that is just so flourishing and nourishing for our precious native birds and native reptiles and native invertebrates and native plants and fungi and cyanobacteria and just all life so a huge mahi to John and Northeast Valley Normal School such a beautiful school also a training ground of course for our young teachers which is so precious so I'm really grateful that John has been interviewed and as I speak with you now I'm heading off to the St Clair hot salt water pool which I'm very excited about and I bought a season's pass yesterday and it's my aim to swim 40 lengths every morning. It's my kilometre every morning. 
because it's just really what I'm needing to do at the moment but also this is what my grandma used to do every day and I'm very inspired by her always so I really hope for you you're finding the right activities that are giving you what you need my body has just been calling out for the water so I'm so grateful to have found the right way to give it what it needs I hope you can do this too and I really hope you're finding the opportunity to celebrate those sanctuaries that are meaningful to you and finding ways to connect and really commune with spaces and places and people that help you to feel good and recognize all the beautiful gifts you're bringing in and i'll look forward to talking to you again soon thanks so much you're listening to blowing bubbles we're talking with john mckenzie who's not related to tahu and in fact, his name is spelt differently. That must be one of those names that you have to spell every time. Yes, they always ask. But I would happily have Tahu as a relative. I think it would enhance our family reputation immensely. John, we've seen lots of changes in society over the last, I was going to say couple of years, but it's nearly three, couple or three years. What do you think is going to stick or has stuck and what do you hope will stick? Yes, that's a tough question, isn't it? Because it's it's not just the the COVID stuff. It's the sort of struggle the world's having with with individuals and democracies and war. You know, um, climate change. There's there are so many things on on the go that if you, you know, I was talking earlier about being positive, how do you remain positive if you watch? the news every evening and i mean i've actually stopped watching the news i was until recently getting my news from the twitter and then of course the fellow musk got involved and has stuffed things up a little bit there but the more we move away from community the less positive we are i fear you know we're so lucky in the valley here we've got we've got a very strong community you can you get to know people's faces and eventually their names as you move around this place and it's hugely diverse and i think people feel that there is that they belong to a community that this is their community northeast valley is their community you know you live in a big city how do you how do you get that sense of belonging so i think um covid has posed some of those questions. I mean, it's difficult for people who who see threats everywhere because our leaders, they think that what our leaders may be doing is pulling the wool over their eyes. I'm sure that our politicians do pull the wool over our eyes from time to time, but over this, this issue, this really polarised some people. In some ways, that's quite good because it's let us see what... The, what angst is out there that we might not have seen before? How do you resolve that? You know, you've got someone who's um, um, strongly against taking a vaccination. How do you engage with that person um, without alienating them? You know, how how have people got to a point where they are so distrusting of government and um, health? And so, in some ways, it's been a bit of a a wake-up call for us. Do you see that kind of 
the families that are from that mindset, do you see that coming to school? Do, do you, how do you deal with that with little kids in the classroom? Yes, yes. It's When I was growing up, our parents very seldom spoke about important things in front of us. Um, and these days, parents seem to me to speak quite openly in front of their children, so their children know what they're thinking, what, what their beliefs are. I, it, it only spills over at school when there's tension already, I think, you know, when there might be a bit of a fight about something. Um, but our ch- oh, we've still got children who voluntarily wear masks, um, and I don't think they get any uh, stick for that, um, even though there are some children whose families have, you know, really strongly anti-mask wearing. Let's squeeze in the second of your music choices. Well, actually, it's the fourth of your music choices, but I had to veto a couple of them because they had E signs beside them. So let's go for Fly My Pretties, Singing In My Soul. Why this one? Okay, so just like the other one, it's really good for guys to sing. You can sing this loud and proud. Um, secondly, it's this is a Kiwi Kiwi um, band that sort of grows and gets you know brings people in and out of it. Um, I think this was probably recorded at Bats in Wellington. Uh, thirdly, because it's a beautiful song, it's just a really magical little song. Um, and I heard them, fourth, my fourth reason is that I heard them sing this at the Regent in, um, here in Dunedin, and they, everyone on the stage who could play a guitar lined themselves up across the stage and sang this song together. Uh, it was just, just um, um, absolutely captivating. That's a beautiful song. And again, you can sing it, sing it in the back of the hall. Into my 
swinging me to and fro. Feeling the hip and the floor. Waking me up with your sunshine smile. I can hear you calling. As we've said, we're running into Christmas. What what are they? What's the Christmas plan in the Mackenzie household? Yes, we're very lucky to have a little modest crib in Naseby, and we will be enjoying a family Christmas. Um, Naseby is a pretty special little place. Um, it's got a pub and a very cool dairy and a cafe and a swimming dam. And our kids can wander around Naseby um, safely. People will be nosy and ask them who they are. Um, they can disappear into the forest with their bikes. It's great. Uh, Christmas um, is a is a real a really relaxing time for us. We try to just have fun. It's a good time to stack, stock up on clothing for the kids. Um, we have lots of people who will pop in and have a have a uh, Christmas drink with us. Some will stay. I think we had maybe 19 staying last New Year. That doesn't um, sound like a very modest little place. No, it's got a lot of space for tents. <laughs> <laughs> tents. No, you, you know what it's like. An old-fashioned Kiwi holiday where you sleep, sleep on a mattress on the floor if you have to. Yeah, I think um, trying to create memories still for the for our children is important. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, I love the fact that the country shuts down. You know, sort of the slow turning off of everything as you lead up to Christmas, and then from Christmas Day through to the New Year, everything is just slow paced. And it would be nice if it was like that for the whole year. Yeah, you're right. The the lockdown period when it didn't actually matter what day it was. That's the good thing about when when yeah. days turn into numbers, 
It's quite nice, yeah. isn't it? What's the day? Is yes. it Thursday? <laughs> yes, and not having to iron shirts. That was a good. Yeah. I really hope that we do learn something from this experience. You know, people, my dad talks about the polio epidemic, which must have been in the 50s, I think, and how he was stuck at home and the things he would do. And he had a kid next door, and so they made a little hole in the fence so they could talk to each other, you know. <laughs> um, our kids will talk about this time, probably. As long as we've learned something. Exactly. We were talking about that at work today, that it's at the start of the pandemic, we heard the term unprecedented a lot. But mm. it's only unprecedented if you can't remember the last time. Yes, yes, so yes, absolutely. We need to make a point of learning from it. I was really impressed with the way that the, that 90-whatever percent of New Zealanders just went and followed the science. And you know, I thought, well, that's great. It shows that we've got to, you know, most people are... Uh, trusting of our um, of doctors and scientists, and, you know, living in a city which is a you know got a medical training hospital, these guys are working away trying to solve these problems, you know, and um, we need to trust that they're doing doing it for the right reasons. I have some questions to end the show, and not very much time, so we're going to have to wriggle through them. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? Yes, we um, uh, have set up a community-based uh, charitable trust to look at change in North Dunedin, uh, mostly in, in working with schools and early childhood centres um, to address some of those long-standing issues that children and families face. And we've been working with Richie Poulton from the Dunedin Study and taking what they've learnt from that to address some of these issues. We, we were granted just shy of 700 grand from the Otago Community Trust. So I'm really proud of that. I think that's a fabulous thing and um, hopefully will really add benefit to what we're doing in North Dunedin. We are writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you're in that team. What's your superpower? What got you into the mansion? <laughs> That's an interesting question. Yeah. Um, oh, my superpower. I make decisions quickly, uh, which is pretty important in a school environment. Um, and normally they seem to be the right decisions. So I'd say that would be my superpower. I like the notion of heroes too because I'm always asking my colleagues where are the heroes in education today you know some people object to it saying that we shouldn't be treating it as a hero thing it should be something that we we all do but I think that we need to be able to identify what it is that people are doing because then we can learn from it and we can say yeah. okay if we want to make that change as a collective it doesn't have to be the individual hero out on their own mm. we need to to figure out what that essence is Mm, yes, and we live in a and it's a it's a, ten, a a place of tension because we're exhorted to be in Maori kiamaya, you know, get out there, do it. But also the lovely notion in Maori of kafakaiti, be humble. So trying to balance um, pushing boundaries and in a humble way is is um, not easy. Um, because sometimes it's the people who are not humble who actually get things done, and that's, yeah. Do you consider yourself to be an activist? Yes, I think so, yep. 
I, I would consider myself to be pro, well, progressive. Yes. So what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Um, relationships, probably. Um, trying to be a better person. Um, yeah. What's the biggest challenge or opportunity that you're looking forward to in the next year or so? It's going to be a time of change for you. Yes. Yes, I, I, um, I'm. It's an interesting place to be to to wonder whether one is still useful. Um, so I'd like to remain useful. Yeah, my my ninety four year old father was recently uh, recently moved into a retirement home in Invercargill, and I don't think he'll mind me saying this, but after two or three weeks, I sent him a message saying how you're settling and he said his reply was i've just realized i'm here for the duration and that was a little bit sad i felt a little bit sad for him but this is us isn't it we're here for the duration and we don't know what the duration will be um and keep as you get older you keep being reminded frequently that that the length of that duration and its potential is <laughs> reducing <laughs> pretty quickly so um, be you so try and be useful and have fun doing it yeah i have quite a bit to do with richie Poulton and richie richie is facing you know a pretty um sobering health journey and he's saying i want to do the things that are most important to me at the moment and you know maybe that's what we should be doing all the time and lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Yeah, I probably do. <laughs> I think, um, you know, you've got to have some fun. You've got, to, you've got to find the Emerson's beer that you like and you've, and you've got to find the music that you like and you've got to find the people that you like and you've got to, if it's gardening or classic cars or playing chess or don't get sucked in sitting on your backside watching TV all day. And these cursed laptops, <laughs> you know, spend, spend all of our day on those and right outside the window a whole lot of kids. Yeah, do the stuff that that, that you love to do. That sounds like good advice to me. John, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. From now on, our troubles will be out of sight. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Make the Yuletide gay. From now on, our troubles will be miles away. Here we are, as 
in olden days Happy golden days of yore Faithful friends who are dear to us Gather near to us once more Through the years we all will be together the fates allow Hang a shining star Upon the highest bough And have yourself A merry little Christmas listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world, brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic, which is brought to you by Tipu Kanga. We broadcast on Otago Access Radio every Monday, Wednesday and Friday afternoons at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. We're going out this month to... Have yourself a Merry Little Christmas, and this is Kermit. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and coming to me from just over the hill in North East Valley, we've been joined by John McKenzie. That was Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show. Marty This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.